episode 49 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey, this is Harriet Turk. You're listening to the Energy Edge podcast. As a professional speaker, I know the importance of keeping your energy up on the road. So I encourage you to continue listening. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your energy edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast sponsored today by the book Sleeping Your Way to the Top by Terry Crawley and Dr. David Brown. And we're going to talk a lot more about that book. But right now, I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley. And with me always is my co-host, Treva Yasino. Treva, how are you today? Well, actually, after you said that title, I'm pretty curious about what Sleeping Your Way to the Top means. How about you? Is that the best title ever? It is. It is. I absolutely. In fact, I had to sleep on it to really understand exactly what <laughs> that title meant, but I, I 100% got it. So besides that, I mean, are you doing okay? I'm doing great. You know, I, it's really interesting when you move back to the Midwest, how weather really affects you. Living in California, you don't even think twice about it, but when you have a really nice day, you're like, oh, I feel so good today. <laughs> It's amazing how much it does affect, and that's why I like to leave the great state of Chicago. We don't really claim Illinois, mostly uh-huh. during the winter. So, but uh, you know what? Um, there's but a wait. There's more today. There's a buy one get one free on the co-host today. So we want to please welcome the co-author for the Energy Edge podcast today and the sponsor, Terry Crawley. Hi Brian. Hi Trina. How are you today? We are awesome and so excited that you're joining us. Love, 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 love your topic, sleep. That's one of my favorite things to do in life anyway is sleep. So anxious to hear what you have to tell us. Well, and I'm thrilled you're here too. And we're honored to have you and hope that we remain friends after going through this episode together. (laughs) Well, finally, I have someone who can be on my side to counter Brian. Thanks, Terry. Well, not liking where this is going, but not smart enough to take it personally. But uh, Terry, why don't you let our listeners know more about you? Okay, Brian. Well, I'll start by saying I'm a registered nurse and I didn't learn much about sleep way back when, when I went to nursing school, and I just kind of ran into it quite by accident doing some clinical research, and I was invited to go to Dr. Brown's sleep clinic in Houston, Texas, way, way long time ago, but it was really cool. I got to stay awake all night and sleep all day, and I watched people undergo sleep studies, and from that week on, that's all I've done is... uh, study sleep and talk about sleep and sort of message the benefits that good night's sleep provides. Well, and this topic came up into us by a book, Terry, that you had sent to my kids that you had co-authored with uh, Dr. David Brown called Snoozeby and the Great Bedtime Battles. And uh, my kids were thrilled to get the book in the mail and they couldn't wait to read it before bed. And it was, went so, it was just so well written and that gave my kids and me so much to talk about regarding sleep. And unfortunately, the book was about 300 pages with no pictures and my kids and I didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. But uh, oh, well, Matt, Kudos, Terry. <laughs> well, you know, Brian, when we wrote 
sleeping your way to the top. Dr. Brown and I thought, well, we're giving a lot of good advice out to grownups who sometimes do and sometimes don't follow our advice. But we started worrying about the children out there. And with so many grownups not practicing good sleep hygiene and not really holding sleep itself in high regard, we thought, "Uh uh-oh, who's telling the kids about sleep? So why don't we do it? And we put together a book and drew a, had a wonderful illustrator draw a great picture of a pillow that comes to life and talks about sleep. So we just uh, thought we might as well try, try to get some kids on the right track early on in life. Well, and as a father of kids and even young kids, I mean, I personally absolutely love the book. Thank you for it. It was well-written and the pictures are awesome. My kids love finding out the little details and there's just so much to it. So Treva, why don't you let us know exactly where we're headed today? Yeah, well, you know, on our podcast, we talk a ton about sleep, right? On this Energy Edge podcast, it's so important. But one area that we've not addressed is sleeping children, And that's exactly why we brought in a subject matter expert and our personal friend, Terry Crawley. Well, we thought we could make it fun. And Dr. Brown and I really believe that children deserve a good, you know, explanation about sleep and they deserve to understand it better. And it's sort of been overlooked. I know when I was in elementary school, we learned about the food pyramid and we sort of understood why we had to eat our vegetables at the dinner table, but I think there's sort of a knowledge gap when it comes to why is sleep so important and how can it help us during our waking hours? I think the reality is most adults are horrible sleepers, right? So as a result, that's exactly what they teach their kids who then grow up usually to become horrible sleepers. Imagine that. (laughs) that's why we feel that this episode is so important. Exactly. So let's dive in. We all have raised kids, meaning Terry and um, Treva and myself. So this episode can get very personal very quickly. So Terry, we often ignore why sleep is important as an adult. And we think that we can beat sleep. As you had mentioned earlier, some adults take the advice and a lot don't. But as the overseer and protector of our kids, why is it so important for children to have a great night of sleep? Well, to address your first point, I don't think a lot of us are good role models when it comes to good sleep. So, you know, that's the problem. And I think there's a knowledge gap with adults understanding all of the benefits a good night's sleep confers on on a consistent basis. So I think when we look at the big picture, if we can message downstream to our children, I'm hoping that the good sleep message will travel back upstream to adults. So we're kind of approaching it backwards. But I think um, when children get it, I think there will be less bedtime battles at night. I think having a good understanding and some education and some awareness really can change the script at night because we know for a fact how many, you know, it, it becomes a battle. And what happens is you've got tired children and tired adults uh, trying to get the bedtime routine done quickly, trying to get everyone in bed. And a lot of times um, it's, it can get pretty ugly pretty quickly. Well, and to your point, Terry, I mean, with just reading your book with our kids, they have now become little rule um, abide buyers. So all of a sudden it goes by, well, the book says this, or we're not doing this. You know, we get supposed to get off our screen sooner. We're supposed to do this. And you're exactly right. They definitely hold us so much more accountable um, Mm -hmm. in this area. What would you say, Treva? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because my um, younger son really struggles with depression. And so I had him do 45 minutes before you go to bed, you know, um, stay off of electronics, you know, do certain things to get you go to go to sleep. And so when he comes to visit and I'm on my phone before I go to bed, he's like, mom, come on. (laughs) So I totally get it. So Terry, how many hours of sleep should children get per night? Well, what's a wonderful thing is lately, in the last several years, the National Sleep Foundation, as well as the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, published the sleep requirements based on age um, on both of their websites. I mean, it's easily um, located. It's in the front of our book, Snoozy and the Great Big Bedtime Battle. So it's a quick reference. And Obviously, you know, infants start off sleeping, we only hope, a lot. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's a bit choppy. But it, the um, age requirements through the teenage years really should be adhered to. And I think one of the most shocking things, you know, when we give talks and, and go to schools, is the understanding that teenagers, and this is age 13 to 18, should be getting about 9.25 hours of sleep every night. Wow. And so many of our teenagers don't get that, um, which, which is very worrisome, as, as every single age category is. If they're not getting sufficient sleep, um, we're worried about the trajectory they get on in, for the rest of their lives um, because we know that mental health problems are more prevalent in um, people that don't get enough sleep, regardless of age. We know that physical health issues arise. Um, We look at the connection between diabetes and and, uh, lack of sleep, and obviously that can occur in childhood. So our hope is through education and awareness and really bringing sleep to the forefront of children's health and well-being in the early ages, in the early years, we can really provide children with wonderful, wonderful um, tools to to lead a healthier life in all senses of the word for the rest of their lives. I mean, it can really change the the scene for them and uh, really, you know, enhance their future in terms of health, well-being, and even just quality of life and um, their achievements and successes. We want children to reach their full potential. And we think with sufficient sleep, they're better able to do that. Well, and that's a great point, uh, Terry, because I think a lot of times we don't really consider how the lack of sleep is affecting them long term. So what if we're not practicing that range with our kids and the, the range you just said listed on there? And I'm going to put a copy of this in the show notes, uh, but just for a quick review, infants four to um, 12 months should sleep between 12 to 16 hours. Children ages one to two years of age should sleep between 11 to 14 hours. Children three to five age should sleep between 10 to 13 hours. Children six to 12 years of age should sleep between nine to 12 hours. And then Terry had referenced teenagers, 13, 18 years of age to sleep between eight to 10 hours a night. So mm-hmm. what if we're not, we're not practicing that with our children? Do we just bring the law down on them and go, no, nope, here's your window. You got to make it happen. Or is it a gradual thing? I mean, how do you suggest we uh, handle that? Well, it has to become a family value. Every member of the family has to understand it buy into it, and respect and prioritize sleep. And then the children are much more likely to get the sleep they need as well as the adults. So it really becomes a family value. And as parents and adults, we need to protect and support 
support those sleep needs that you just read to the listeners. We have to get that. The children need that sleep to be their best. And I think people misunderstand frequently that the only downside of being of sleep deprivation is being sleepy, but it goes so much more, you know, beyond that. You can't power through it. It really affects everyone on a cellular level. So they have to have sleep to do their best in school. They have to have sleep to stay healthy. Um, you know, sleep is wonderful for the immune system. And we, you know, behavior issues when when children don't get enough. Oh my gosh, they have learning problems, behavior issues. They have trouble making friends. There are bullying issues that occur when sleep deprivation is um, prevalent. Um, kids are more clumsy when they are not getting enough sleep. And what happens is they don't manifest it maybe the way adults do. Sometimes kids, when they're really sleep deprived, will get hyperactive or they'll just be incredibly crabby. And some people don't make that connection that, oh, wow, this kid needs more sleep. So you have to start maybe pushing back their bedtimes and seeing um, if they can fall asleep a little bit earlier and see how much better they feel the next day. You want want to get the kids to buy in. So you want to always explain the benefits. Um, And that way, because a lot of kids will see sleep as one great big timeout and a lot of them fight it no matter how tired they are. Yeah, I love that. That that part is a really good point, Terry. I mean, all of it is so amazing because I think, I don't know if it's the time, times have changed, but I know that back in the day when my parents were putting me to bed, it was a little bit more of a priority. So, you know, you got your jammies on and you, or you took a shower and got your jammies on and had a book read to you. And back then it was like warm milk or, you know, whatever. But it seems like that has changed with how busy our society is and all of the technology. So what should a best case scenario this day and age, a bedtime routine, what would, what would the best case scenario look like for our kids? You know, make plenty of time for it. Um, and, but in more importantly, there's a little block of time after dinner and before the bedtime routine starts. And that has to be a wind down time for everyone in the family. And, you know, it's, Electronics, I know they're not going to go away, but we just have to manage them better. You know, we've got to have, you know, get the bright electronics off, you know, off at least an hour before bedtime, preferably more. But, you know, engage in some non-electronic activities as a family, you know, reading out loud, of course, jigsaw puzzles, coloring. Think of some, you know, something that's very pleasant just so children don't view bedtime or getting ready for bed or sleep in it of itself as a negative. We want them to look at this whole, you know, getting ready for bed, going to bed and getting their sleep as a positive and as something that will help them um, with so many aspects of their lives. And, and they do better with it, but sometimes they need to, um, you know, a little understanding goes a long way. And so keep that ple- something pleasant And then keep that bedtime routine very consistent. I mean, it's got to be the same thing. You know, we know children love structure. They love, you know, getting into those habits. And they'll feel secure with that. And it's non-negotiable. And I think if you approach it in a very positive but matter-of-fact way, it's just a non-negotiable thing, just like eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner and other things that we do every day. It's just something that we do, and we're going to make it pleasant and save that favorite book and, you know, 
something to have um, then that they can look forward to. Well, and to your case in point, uh, with being a business traveler, and once my wife and I decided to change the routine to help our kids after going through Sipping Your Way to the Top book, we decided to read a half an hour before the kids went to bed. So when I would come home and just be unaware of that routine with being gone for a few days and let them know it's time for bed, my, my kids would always let me know, oh, oh, we skipped, We're, it's, it's time to read. Yeah. So they'd always let me know on that. And then once we got them in, then my wife would remind me that it's a calm down period because I always do what's called tuck and tickles. Yeah. And uh, infamous in the Buckley family with the tuck and the tickle. And, uh, but I always have to make sure not to wind them up so much. So you are exactly right <laughs> on, on the routine. I know shopping yes. to those who are listening. So um, to even back it up a little bit too, um, Terry, how much does what we feed our kids and what they drink, especially for dinner time or bedtime snack, how much does that affect their sleep? Well, you know, there's a wonderful adage of, you know, that I've heard uh, tossed around saying, Good food begets good sleep. Um, you know, a, a good healthy diet really helps uh, sleep quality in children and, and grown-ups, of course. And I think one of the things, the, the knowledge gap surrounding this particular issue is in the fact that if we don't get enough sleep, it really disrupts our hormones. Um, a lot of work goes on at night while we sleep. Mm. And children, um, the obesity epidemic in children and adults is um, related to to a lack of sleep, and I think that we we've got to concentrate on that. We can't, you know, we tell our children to you know move move around more, get more physical activity, or to eat this and that. Um, we're sort of facing an uphill challenge unless we make sure that as a foundation we're getting plenty of sleep. We make better food choices when we're well rested. Um, and we also, of course, um, want to go out and get some physical activity when we're well-rested and have plenty of energy. So I, I tell parents to be very cautious about, you know, look at the ingredient labels. Caffeine is um, can sneak into a lot of beverages, and obviously we want to stop with the sugar um, sugar and things. You know, it was sort of late in the day. Um, I'm surprised um, working in a sleep clinic and, and doing a lot of, outreach in the community, I'm surprised how many children have access to caffeine, um, how many children even in the school age years are, are having caffeinated drinks throughout the day. We want to stop, you know, the caffeine late in the day is really going to interfere with sleep onset. So we need to keep an eye on the diet very carefully. Yeah. I, and of course, this is my baby. I love this. And just to add to what you've said too, you know, parents often reward their kids with a sugary treat before they go to bed. And whether you're a child or an adult, you eat sugar before you go to bed. That's never good for even, you know, physiologically for your sleep. And you might even get to sleep, but you know, it's the, it raises your sugar and then your blood sugar drops and you can wake up in the middle of the night. You don't get that deep REM sleep. I mean, it's, it really affects your sleep. You know, like you said, exercise, food, crazy, crazy. It affects your sleep. And when I change people's diets during the day, nine times out of 10, they'll be like, wow, I'm getting sleep finally. So really makes a difference. And another big thing for me is light. So whether it's dark or light and lights in the room. So how does light such as like for kids, a nightlight affect, you know, our sleep for our children? Well, you know, dark is best, and we have to keep that in mind. And, of course, there's some nighttime fears, that, you know, at certain age groups that kind of come and go. But what we often advise is to get a nightlight in an amber, reddish, you know, um, color spectrum. We want that, not the blue, white lights. 
but we can also gradually position them if they, the child needs it closer to the bed, you know, say for a couple of weeks, fine. But gradually you can sort of move it out to the hallway or um, keep that hallway door practice a little bit. It kind of depends on each child what issues they're having, but dark is best. That's our goal. And even when, when we have daylight saving time um, issues, blackout curtains are another option to keep the room very dark because sometimes, as we know, kids will have to go to bed um, when it's still a little light outside or, or get up <laughs> when it's dark. You know, the, the lighting really affects their sleep. So we want that bedroom environment um, to, to be conducive to sleep. And I think we often talk about optimizing the sleep environment for adults, but maybe we don't pay attention as much as we should with the children. And along those lines, we want to make sure it's not too overly brightly decorated and just too stimulating, too many toys out at night. We, we know of little ones that will get up and start playing with the, the train set and things like that. So we have to keep that in mind too. Yeah. Distractions to a minimum. So is there any nightlight out there that is on a timer? That'd be kind of interesting, you know, plug it in and then have it run for an hour and then, or whatever, you know, until the kids go to sleep. You ever heard of one of those? Oh yeah. Yeah. There are, yeah. There are lots of wonderful products out there that really do help um, children based on, you know, what age group they're in. So it's worth yeah. looking into. And I think, um, you know, any way you can optimize that and try to get it, you know, to where you get your ultimate goal is, is darkness. Um, will really help their sleep quality. And in my house, I am that product, not sold on Amazon. (laughs) I let my kids know that uh, I will be turning the bedtime light off and it will be complete darkness and the door will be cracked. But they they know why, but we tell them why because of the benefit of darkness and Terry's book has helped to that. So what if we have a kid that just does not stay in their bed? I mean, Terry, do you recommend seatbelts, duct tape, uh, bungee cord? I mean, I mean, obviously we can link up to Amazon, but um, all joking aside, what do we do? I own one of those kids. Please help. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. You're going to love this. There's something called the sleep pass and the sleep pass comes in many different forms. You can make it on a piece of paper. I suggest you do it with your child and you know, you can put glitter on it, write on it, whatever, but it's call call it the sleep pass. And what you do, and this is interesting how kids react to this. You, when they're in that stage of the, we call it the mini curtain calls. They don't want to go to bed because they're going to miss out on things. We know how those That's little great. Mini curtain <laughs> calls. That's awesome. <laughs> they do. It is just one after another after another. So we give them these sleep passes and we explain that they have to relinquish one when they get out of bed. And we give them two to start off with. And sure enough, you know, I need another drink of water. Okay, relinquish a pass. Okay, I need to, you know, say hi again. I need another hug. Okay, relinquish a pass. And make sure the rules, you know, you go over the rules far in advance, make the pass, and then they can sleep with the pass next to their bed. But we find that these kids really like to keep the passes. Um, There's some ownership. And the whole concept of doing this and having this pass and this little ritual, it's empowering to children. When you think about it, getting ready for bed, having to go to bed, and not quite having a great concept of sleep. I mean, sleep is pretty mysterious in certain ways. You know, I think it's important to empower them and give them choices. Even during the bedtime routine, you know you got to change into pajamas, but which pajamas do you want to wear tonight? 
and what book do you want to read? Give them some choices. But I really do think by giving, trying this um, sleep pass um, concept may, may help a lot of people because of that ownership, accountability, empowerment. Sold. I created two of them while you were giving that response. <laughs> no kidding. On I'm like three by five cards, and they will be used for one Caleb Buckley tonight. <laughs> Can we use those on adults too? Because oh, I think I nice. need a pass. <laughs> oh, and my wife. My wife's a sucker for. Oh, the kid wants a hug. I can't deprive him of love. I said, Oh, okay, okay. Well, we now have we have a sleep pass. So. Excellent. That was a great, great suggestion. Yeah, that is. A, I love that positive reinforcement too. Like you said, empowerment, you know, kids love that. So thank you. That was awesome. So on the coattails of that, should we ever use sending the kids to bed early as a discipline or a punishment? Uh, great question. Well, you know, that's how I was brought up. It was, you know, if you, you're good during the week, you can stay up super, super late on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're not so good at any time, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> and we can't do that. We simply can't do that. We're sending the just absolute wrong message to our children by having that attitude. And I even say for um, people that use timeout for um, discipline that not to make the bedroom timeout. We don't want to associate the bedroom with anything but a good night's sleep. And um, obviously there will be, you know, toys and clothes and some things, but minimal in that regard, but mainly a good night's sleep as you're decorating the bedroom, as you're painting the walls, keep thinking sleep um, (laughs) and how good this is. And really, and and it gets back again to, are we being good role models? Do we all respect each other's sleep? If we put the kids to bed early, do we turn down the TV or do we keep the house quiet? Or if someone needs to take a nap during the day, are we respectful of that? I love the idea of teaching children how to respect sleep and everyone's need for it. It's not a luxury. It's a biological necessity. And I think if everyone in the family is on the same page, everyone's going to sleep better. And then if everyone's sleeping better, we're all going to do better. Well, I couldn't agree more, Terry. And I I love the fact of that because it is, it is um, almost makes us feel guilty where we've not been, we've been inconsistent. We've almost been hypocritical because we have, we'll put the kids to bed and we'll have them to have their routine. And then we just go and do our own deal. And it is very, very contradictory. And hopefully something that uh, we really, really change our whole mindset with this. So what if we're listening to this and thinking, I suck at sleep myself and have been lazy about it with my kids. Where do I even begin? I mean, how do I start simple? I think just the family dialogue. You know, I'll help you, you help me, I'll remind you, you remind me. I like keeping sleep charts um, for the children, and adults can keep uh, sleep diaries. Okay, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about a sleep chart. You know, give the child a star on a sleep chart um, for every night that they go to bed on time. And that they wake up happy and ready to go. And because children will do better in the mornings. If you're having trouble getting your child out of bed in the morning for school or, or for whatever, that, that, you know, that's a sign. They probably need more sleep. Um, so I think just a heightened awareness, some really good dialogue and conversation about the importance. And always, always bring up sleep with your child's pediatrician as well as with your healthcare provider at every visit. Sleep is a vital sign. And, um, you know, don't take poor sleep for granted. 
Um, if you think there's a problem and it's persistent, see a sleep specialist because children can have sleep disorders. It, it's not necessarily just, oh, I don't want to go to bed. Um, you know, there, there's that, but there's also some sleep disorders that afflict children, um, like sleep apnea, for instance. And if they're dragging during the day and irritable and not doing well, or, or they're, you know, hyperactive, I mean, just really pay attention because it might not be an obvious connection at first, but sometimes this, you know, lack of sleep or a sleep disorder from a lack of sleep will lead to some things um, that the pediatrician should be aware of. And so always bring it up um, with, with every healthcare encounter. We'll be right back with the remainder of this episode on how to help your children get the sleep they need after this short break. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day. And it's only Monday. What we need is a reminder there's another way. A kickstart to get us thinking and get us going in the right direction. 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com offers three five-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movement where a problem is discussed and two Energy Kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it'll cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today. This is Ruthie Preek, speaker, trainer, and productivity consultant, here with an energy boost you could try today. Phone calls. When you leave a voicemail for someone, be super specific about the information you need. Don't say, hey, have a quick question for you, or wanted to see if you could send me some information. That simply starts a game of phone tag, which is a waste of time, not to mention really frustrating. No, it's more like this. Hi, it's Mridu. Could you please send me the reference material for the Colored Cupcake Project in a PDF format before noon tomorrow? You can email it to me at Mridu at lifeisorganized.com. If you have any questions, call me at 615-555-1212. Thanks. When you give specifics about what you need, when you need it by, how you need it, and the best way and time to reach you, you arm the recipient with what they need to take quick and responsive action. This is a total game changer. This is your podcast co-host, Trevi Yacino. I would love to have a personal conversation with each and every one of you. Why? Almost everyone I talk to is struggling with common yet incredibly frustrating issues such as losing weight, loss of energy, lots of digestive issues, and many, many more. I help business professionals like yourselves get to the core of why you're feeling so badly and get you back to feeling fantastic. If you head over to my website, livingtree.co, share your information under contact me, and we can set up a time to chat for free. I am passionate about giving you the tools you need to become independently healthy and regain the energetic you. Just ask Brian, my co-host. He was one of my biggest challenges. Now look at him, or should I say listen to him? I can't even keep up. So let's get your living on. 
So this is the point in our episode where we like to talk about what nows. We've talked about a lot of different information. And so we like to give you just a couple pointers to just get you started on getting your children a great night's sleep. And so I would say the first one is make it a family value. Make sleep a family value. If you're doing it, your kids are going to do it. If your kids are doing it, you're going to do it. Make it a family value and make it positive. And number two, I would say something very practical and very simple is make the room dark. Work out a plan where you can start with a nightlight and eventually get the room dark because darkness creates better sleep. Well, Terry, are there any closing thoughts you want to leave with us today? Oh, there's so many, Brian. I think, uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on and letting me talk about this with your listeners, but I think it's important that all of us rethink sleep. Um, We need to really hold it in high regard and make it a personal, family, classroom, and workplace value. I think people should be very vocal, um, say, with their children's teachers, with their employers. You know, let's, let's just start the conversation because it's relevant to every aspect of our lives. And recently there was um, um, a quote that I saw that um, I'd like to leave with the listeners. We used to say that diet, sleep, and exercise were the three pillars of health. But Dr. Matthew Walker um, from California came out with a quote saying, he said, no, uh, when I said that prior, I was mistaken. He said, sleep is the foundation of health. And based on the current research, I, I have to agree with him. And I think if we put that first, so many things in our lives will go much better, will be easier. I think we'll be healthier, happier, we'll accomplish more, and we'll all reach our full potential, have better relationships, and just really, really do better in life. So I hope everyone can try to, you know, read up on some, read up on sleep, uh, learn as much as they can, and really rethink it. Well, it's a game changer. I mean, obviously, we are the overseers of our kids. And at our hearts, we really, really want the best for them. And the best way we can do that is just to set them up for the best next day. Um, Don't give them any any help of going sideways um, with their behavior or with their learning or all the complications. I know my kids are completely different when they get rest. They each all have their own personalities when they're sleep deprived. And that ugly side comes out just as it does with me. And so I really, really appreciate the time and the, uh, the content with this, hopefully more of specific type of con- content here in the future. Here's a preview of our next episode. I sit down with Jeff McMahon, founder of Total Body Construction. Now, Jeff has one impressive resume of fitness degrees, but that's not what makes him awesome. His approach to being fit is challenging. It's motivating, but most of all, it's very, very attainable. He's a great interview with a ton of awesome action items. And here's a clip. Biggest excuses I hear from people is probably the number one would be they don't like to do it. And then the number two being they don't have time. So that's where my virtual training became so popular because if you don't have time to go to a gym, of course you would love to work out at home, but it's very hard to hold yourself accountable, watch DVDs, wonder if your form is right, all that kind of stuff. But with virtual training, it takes um, all those questions out of the equation because I'm there watching, I'm there critiquing, I'm holding you accountable to an appointment and 
you get to have an expert, you know, guide you along to whatever, you know, if you want to dunk a basketball or run faster or lose weight or whatever your goal is, you have an expert showing you how to get there so you can get there efficiently, effectively without injuries. You're going to love this interview with Jeff McMahon, so don't miss it. And Jeff is going to join Treva, Terry, and myself for a conference that we're hosting in April in the great city of Nashville. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. And uh, Terry, what are your thoughts about that upcoming conference? Oh, I think it's going to be exciting. I will encourage everyone to come out if they're close by. And if they're not close by, we'll see you in another city. And Treva, what do you think about this uh, this energy coming from the presenters here of us getting a band together? Yeah, it's going to be crazy. You don't want to miss this. We are in the makings of some really great things. All of us are very passionate about making a ripple effect with sleep and exercise, energy, and nutrition. So we're putting us uh, the four of us together and going to make a rocking team and helping lots of people out. So we're really excited. And you'll hear more details about that in the coming weeks and months. But uh, as always, we want you to know, thank you for making it to this point in the podcast. And we specifically want to thank Terry Crawley for co-hosting this episode with us today. As always, we'll try and do better next time. Go and get your energy out, John, today. Night, night.